Welcome to the Scalable Solutions Podcast. If you're looking to scale or start a successful online business up to $10 million, but have struggled to scale the three marketing mountains of copywriting, e-commerce, and digital marketing, the Scalable Solutions Podcast is your new base camp. You now have a serial entrepreneur behind you who's reached multiple summits of success to answer your questions so you can scale and start a successful online business. Welcome back to the Scalable Solutions Podcast. Uh, My co-host Martin has the night off and we have an incredibly talented community leader with us tonight. Um, He helps people build engaged uh, and profitable online communities. Uh, He has done over a thousand podcasts, uh, running multiple businesses, and currently is partnering with Brian Clark in the uh, Unemployable Initiative, of which I am uh, a part of and just really enjoying. So, uh, Jared Morris, thank you so much for making time and welcome to the Scalable Solutions Podcast. Thank you, Wayne. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. That sounds like a lot of podcast episodes. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) I have a question about that later on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know you're a huge uh, Indiana fan, uh, the Hoosiers, and kind of kind of tell us uh, how you got your start, maybe, uh, and, and, and what's new and exciting in your life right now. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Indiana. I am a big fan of Indiana University. Uh, I grew up in Indiana, and my dad was actually a football coach at Indiana when I was growing up, and so became a a big fan of the football team. But at that time, the basketball program was also kind of at the pinnacle of college basketball with Bob Knight and winning national championships. And so I got I got sucked in early on and have become a lifelong fan. And it's interesting because you know because of that, it's really. A big part of the reason why I'm at where I, where I am now, because my whole foray into working online um, after I graduated from Indiana, I kind of bounced around a, a few jobs after that, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And the first thing that really stuck was I joined forces with a, a guy here in Dallas, um, and we built a, a digital marketing agency. And one of the things I did as part of that was I launched my own blog. It was called MidwestSportsFans.com. And it was really kind of my sandbox to learn WordPress and learn social media marketing stuff I didn't have any experience with, but was interested in. And so I just wanted to launch a side of my own so I could just do my own thing and make mistakes and practice and never really had any thoughts about it beyond that. But because of my love for sports, I decided to just write about sports because I needed content to promote. And, you know, Indiana has obviously been my, my biggest sports love. So that was always a big part of it. Um, and that site ended up really taking off uh, and becoming a really popular site, got a lot of traffic, um, so much so that it, all, it kept crashing. And so my business partner, who was much more technical than I am, uh, actually developed our own hosting stack. Uh, so that we could keep our website up. And we ended up noticing that other sports bloggers I had met, you know, kind of needed the same thing. And that turned into a business that ultimately got acquired by Copyblogger Media uh, and became part of their stack for the Rainmaker platform, which is how I ended up starting uh, to work with Brian Clark. Um, and so, yeah, so, so that the, the, the sports fandom, which sometimes can seem a little bit silly, uh, you know, it's been something that's been with me for my entire life and really has 
was was important uh, in helping you know to kind of lead me to where I am today, which, as you mentioned, uh, is working with Brian Clark on the Unemployable Initiative, where we have the great privilege of working with freelancers and solopreneurs, people who are building their own businesses, um, you know, and we get to help them. Uh, and, you know, for me, I take a special interest in, in podcasting and community building. Uh, it's what I've really been focused on for the last five or six years. Uh, and I, you know, there are few things I enjoy more than talking with someone, working with someone who is, you know, launching a podcast, building a community and, and starting to see the results of what that can bring, um, because there's such an enthusiasm uh, that those people have, especially when they start seeing results. And so uh, I've really kind of found that that's, that that's kind of my passion, the thing that I really enjoy doing the most. Fantastic, fantastic. And I saw a quote on your uh, LinkedIn page that said, all roads lead to community. And I thought that was quite interesting. Um, so yeah. uh, can you just unpack that a little bit? Well, you know, that's an interesting quote, uh, because all roads certainly should lead to community, you know, and maybe that's the better way to say it. I think anymore, with what people are developing online, community needs to be a part of the process. Um, and it, it takes a while, you're not just going to launch a podcast, you're not just going to put a website out there and have a community, it takes time to build, there are no real shortcuts, there are smart strategies, but there are no real shortcuts to doing it. Because a community develops when you get a group of people that share a mutual concern for one another. And that means the very first concern that you have to share is for the members of the audience that you're serving. And so as you do that, and as you start to build individual relationships with audience members, that community can start to develop. But if you want to build something that lasts, if you want to build something that can have a recurring revenue component to it, if you want to build something that can really give people both a sense of belonging and help lead them, you know, down the road toward accomplishment, developing a community is going to have to be a part of it because people have so many options now for where they get education, for where they get entertainment, you know, just for everything. I mean, there, as we know, there's no shortage of options. So what keeps people coming back to you? Well, it's your ability to give them something they can't find anywhere else. And education certainly is going to be a part of that. But a sense of belonging and a sense of being in a place where people actually care about your success and are helping you work toward finding future success and where you know that your actions are helping other people work towards success, that's what keeps people coming back. And so I, I really think for, for people who are going about this in a smart, forward-thinking way and trying to build something that lasts, uh, all roads really do need to lead uh, toward community. And on your strategy calls with customers when they are thinking about community and maybe trying to create a platform uh, for their audiences, what are some of their best questions that really have really resonated with you? The, the best and most insightful questions always revolve around the who. I think too often... And, and by who, what I mean is the people that you're serving. You know, too often people start thinking about launching a podcast, launching a website, whatever kind of content project they're going to do. And they really focus on the what, you know, okay, what content am I going to write about? And they start thinking about the how really early, you know, how am I going to market this? How am I going to, you know, do this, that, and the other. And it's so easy to skip over, okay, but who are you serving? <laughs> like, who are the people 
that you want to actually make an impact with. Because answering that question of the who is going to determine the what, which is going to determine the how. And too often, those get flipped. And so I know that someone is on the right track and thinking in the right way when they start from the beginning, when they're think when they when they get stuck on, you know, okay, I, you know, I can't decide if if I want to serve this audience or this audience. They're not thinking about if I want to write about this or that. And it can be a subtle distinction, but it's an important distinction because it's got to always be about people. And that that can be a really difficult thing sometimes to remember when we're creating content online because so much of what we do is isolated. You know, we're sitting here behind a computer. You know, we may be podcasting, but it's just us in a room talking into a microphone uh, or even as a community manager. You know, a lot of the community management I do right now, especially during the pandemic here in the United States, is just sitting behind a computer typing stuff in. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's actually not a very personal thing. It's just me at my computer. But it is a personal thing because there are people on the other side of those messages. There's people on the other side of this podcast right now. And so the questions that mean the most and the questions people really need to ask themselves over and over and over again, because it can change, really goes back to that who. And if you really understand who you're serving, then you understand the problems that those people have, and you can identify the intersection between your solutions, your ideas, and the problems they have, the other stuff is going to flow from that. But so many people make big mistakes by putting the cart before the horse and thinking about the what, thinking about the how, developing products before they understand the people and the problems. And it's, you know, it's always disappointing to see, but it's also avoidable. Now you got to be patient. You got to be willing to put in the work and it's not a get rich quick type scheme, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it's the one that lasts. Um, And if there's anything I've learned from the time I've gotten to spend working closely with Brian Clark, it is that. Um, And that's why, you know, the products and services that he's developed have always been very successful because of the methodical approach that he takes. And that approach is always founded in who am I serving? What are their problems? And then let me spend time through content and through Q and A's and different things, interacting with those people to learn more about them so I can serve them better. Wow. Well said. Well said. So in thinking about that audience first approach that you basically just unpacked for us with the focusing on our who first. Um, So after we kind of know who we are serving, uh, is the next step what? And if it is what, um, I've heard a hot trend lately about uh, curating content because there are so many good things out there um, that you could serve up to uh, an audience that is very much interested in them. Is that uh, something to consider? And what what would you consider content curation to be? Yeah, I definitely think it's something to consider. Um, you know, and it's interesting that you ask kind of what's what's next. And I think as you go through the process, you know, the what is next, you kind of you lay that foundation of understanding your who and then you you kind of layer, okay, now what am I going to talk about? What kind of content? Where am I going to publish that content? All of those things get layered on top of it. But I do want to stress that <clears throat> it doesn't mean then that you can forget about the who. You know, the who is something that you constantly, you know, who your people are, uh, all, you know, uh, th- what you know about them, that needs to constantly evolve. So it's not something that you just set aside. And the reason why curation, content curation is a great strategy for doing this is it allows you to constantly be putting out content, seeing how an audience interacts with it and learning from that. And so 
you know, when we talk about curation, just to make sure that we understand that term, you know, curation is essentially going out and, or, or, you know, for a particular audience around a particular topic, bringing the best of what's out there to them. And curation works now in a lot of different industries and around a lot of different topics because there's so much stuff out there. You know, so number one, that means it's hard to say something original because so many things have already been said. Um, and but number two, it's it's really hard for people to sift through everything that's out there. And so you provide real value by a the time it takes to go out and find the best stuff, and b your taste and editorial judgment. Um, and that's it's a great way to build trust with an audience because you know even though you may not be the person that is actually writing this content, authority will still be conferred onto you because you are the person that's putting it into context and you're the person who's finding it. Now, there might be some industries and some topics where content curation isn't the best strategy. Those are rare, but they are out there. You know, if there just isn't a lot of content out there about a particular topic, then you might be better served by actually going out and creating the content. And it doesn't mean that if you are doing a curation strategy that you never create something new of your own because the context that you place on whatever you are curating is very important. So maybe you have a curated newsletter, right? Like I do a curated newsletter about community building. And so I find, you know, each week, you know, four or five articles around a particular topic, but I'm also writing a new piece of content about that to put them into context and kind of give people my own thoughts on it. So it's a bit of a blend of new content create new content creation and content curation a podcast can be curation what you are doing right now is curating you know you and i have had the ability to interact in the unemployable initiative you thought that i had something useful to say to your audience so you are essentially curating my knowledge to your audience by bringing me on the show interviews are a form of curation because you could interview any number of a thousand people you know thousands and thousands of people but you chose to bring me on your podcast that's your editorial judgment and then, you know, you kind of put it into context for your audience. So, you know, curation is, it's, it's a great way to leverage the power of what's already out there online. There's so much great content out there. Um, and again, just to help people make sense of the morass of information that's there, because in this day and age, that's really what people are looking for. And they can get very frustrated by not having the time and not really knowing where to look. And as you get better and better at curation, um, you know, you get better and better at distilling the most important information to the people you're trying to serve. That makes perfect sense. When we think about our community and curation, uh, is there or should we think about combining uh, curation and community building? Like, how does this play out in the actual community itself? I think absolutely. I think one of the one of the main roles of a community manager is to be a curator for that community. Now, they may not spring up together. I think curation is a good strategy in the beginning. You know, if you are if you are starting out and looking to build an audience, curation is a great way to do that. So maybe it's with an email newsletter as we talked about. You know, maybe it's with a podcast. You can start to develop an audience through curation and you can start to learn about that audience through curation. And eventually, as you do that, hopefully you're giving your audience some opportunities to interact. And eventually, you know, your audience may, through their actions, show you that they are ready for a more formalized community. And then you can 
you know, whether you set it up on WordPress, or you go with Mighty Networks or Circle or whatever it is, or you keep it as a social media community. There are a lot of, you know, it'll all be dependent on the context of your audience and your community. But as you start to provide a more formalized place for people to gather, the curation doesn't stop. Number one, you need to keep curating out there, you know, as a, a strategy for filling the top of your funnel, but also for the members of your community you know, the reason why they came to you is because they trust your curation. They trust what you're bringing them. So for example, one of the things that I try and do with the unemployable initiative is curate a, the expertise of our community and B the expertise of my network to bring in people who, who I think have something to share that would be valuable. You know, so we do the regular guest lectures so I'll tell you know I talked with Kaylee Moore, uh, who is a freelance writer, and brought her in for a session earlier this week on, on the week that we're recording this, and she gave some great tips about how to basically explain your value proposition uh, to the people who subscribe to your newsletter. That's a form of curation. We do lunch and learns where people from the community share their expertise, and I'm you know consistent. I'm not surprised, but I'm still consistently blown away by the level of expertise in the community, and just, you know, the really insightful lessons that people have to share. And part of that is curation, because I'll maybe see somebody post a comment about something. It's like, boom, our community could stand to learn more about that. Let me reach out to them and set something up. That is my job as the community manager is to know the people in the community well enough to know where there's an intersection between what they do and what the larger community could benefit from. And same thing, you know, Brian Clark is the founder and he's kind of, you know, his course, the seven figure small intensive, which is a course all about content curation. That is obviously a big part of the community, but I'm also kind of curating him by bringing in the Q and A's and kind of being the one who organizes all that to bring him in there. That is my job to curate the best of this group of people for what can help everybody. So, so that, that curation, I wouldn't look at it as curation, then community, it's curation as a through line through the whole thing and community is a through line through the whole thing, but they just have at different stages of what you're doing, you know, they take on a little bit of different roles or different contexts, but I think it's important to think about both throughout the entire process. Now you had just mentioned the stages at which you are doing things. Um, when we think about like opportunities and like business models and kind of monetizing this idea of curation and community, um, what are some really good opportunities to just think through or how do we even approach that? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, and I, I think there are several ways that you want to look at it. And, and again, this is going to go back to, the who, you know, the people that you're trying to serve, and then what you have to bring to the table. So curation can take you in a number of different directions. You know, maybe with your curation strategy, you want that to be the thing. And maybe you're going to be somebody who is curating content, and you're going to sell a curated newsletter. And that's the way that you monetize it. You're seeing more and more of that these days, especially with journalists and writers probably not going to be the most popular way for everybody. For a lot of people, especially a lot of the people that we work with who are freelancers, they will curate content as a way to build an audience and demonstrate their authority. But then they also have services. And guess what, if someone is on your newsletter, and they've been reading your newsletter about, let's say, how to build a personal brand, you know, as, as a marketing strategy, how to build a personality brand, Danielle Hughes, uh, who's a member of the Unemployable Initiative. She teaches people how to build a personality brand. 
So if you're reading her newsletter, but then you eventually realize, you know what? Okay, I'm ready to do this. You know, I'm ready to kind of take my marketing to the next step, which a personality brand, who are you going to go to? You're going to go to Danielle because you've been learning from her. You've been building trust in her. You know her, you like her. This is what content can do for you. And so your, your strategy of curation is now helping you to build a freelance business. Okay. Maybe you are curating, maybe you're, you're curating and your strategy is more of a, you know, kind of B2C play. Okay. Well, when you're ready to sell, maybe you're going to sell, uh, you know, online courses or you're going to sell eBooks or whatever it is. Okay. Well now you're building a captive audience that when you're ready to sell those things, you have a place to go. And then, you know, another strategy, obviously that I'm a big fan of is community commerce. So not just building a community where people talk on Twitter or, or something like that, but something more formal where people are actually paying to be a part of your community because it is so valuable. And a lot of times there's a combination of education and community that goes there. And again, a lot of that can be seeded with curation. So that's why we're so bullish on curation and it, I think it's important to differentiate. Sometimes when people think about curation, they just think of like a curated email newsletter. But as I said, mm-hmm. curation can go in many different ways, depending on the context in which you're going to use it. Um, and But it's also flexible enough to serve many, many different business models. And so, and again, this is where it goes back to where I keep harping on the who. If you really understand who you're serving and you understand the problems that these people need for you to solve, Well, part of what is great about curation is sometimes the business model reveals itself as you go. And so you don't have to say, you know, if you're willing to be patient with this, you don't have to say, all right, here we go. I'm going to do a curated newsletter. And six months from now, this is going to lead to me selling this service. It can be, you know what? I have a real desire to serve this audience of people. I know I have something to share with them. Let me try this curation strategy. And this is going to be a journey to me learning more about the topic and learning more about the audience. And from the feedback that I get, it will be revealed to me what are the best services that I could offer. That's Mm -hmm. the real power. Because now you've got something that you know people really need. You've got a captive audience of people who know you and trust you on that subject matter. And it's so much easier now when you're ready to actually launch that product or service to be successful with it. Too many people go in reverse and they can really set themselves up for frustration. So you're learning about your audience uh, while you're learning the subjects uh, that are also possibly even Im- important to you. Did I did I hear that right? Definitely, yeah. It, that that definitely can be the way that it that it goes, and I think often it is. You know, typically, I think it, it's really easy to understand how that would work with the audience. You know, you're based on let, let's say you have a curated email newsletter you know, you're getting feedback constantly. What subject lines are they opening? What links are they clicking on? What's driving people to respond to me? What's really driving engagement? That tells you a lot about your audience. But also just the act of curating naturally is going to teach you more about the subject matter and just give you a greater breadth of knowledge. Now, you may already be an expert in it. You know, it's not to say that you need to go into something net new so that you're, you know, learning something brand new. But I mean, it's inevitable as you go through, if you're doing curating right, that you're going to be finding out new things and learning more yourself. And so you're kind of taking the audience on that journey with you. So you can start out curating from the point of an expert, or if there's a topic you're really interested in, but you don't know a lot of, maybe you're you're starting out curating from the point of view of a novice, but you're bringing people along with you. 
and keep in mind that there's an audience for both of those. You know, if let's say that I'm starting out as a writer, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a, maybe there's, and I don't have a specific example of this. I'm just making it up off the top of my head, but let's say that there's like an advanced copywriting newsletter, right? That's for like copywriting professionals. And one of the greatest copywriters of all time is writing this newsletter. Well, if I'm just starting out, that may be a little bit too advanced for me, right? Mm -hmm. And and I may not be the audience for that. But if, you know, if, if Johnny over here is just kind of getting into copywriting, he's reading some of the fundamental books and he's distilling some of those lessons because that's part of how he learns. But now I can learn from him and I may be a step or two behind, but he's much closer to the level where I can understand him. And so, so again, you've got to be clear on your audience and who you're trying to serve, but you don't need to think, oh my God, I've got to be like the world's foremost expert to get into this. No, there may be a way to serve an audience in that particular topic area um, where you bring them along on the journey with you as you learn and start to gain expertise yourself. So that's, again, I, you know, the reason why I love this idea of curation is it's just, it's so flexible, you know? And so if you get clear on who you're serving um, and, and, and what you're passionate about learning more about, curation is going to help you serve that end. And I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the unemployable initiative and kind of the audience first uh, business model, which is a little bit of what we've been talking about here. Um, so the idea, if I have it right, is to um, do just that, um, uh, build an audience first to listen to them, uh, to learn from them, kind of listen uh, for any hints at solutions that might uh, be top of mind for them. And then finally, to create solutions. Um, can you explain how that's different than the traditional model of starting a business? Well, I think the traditional model of starting a business oftentimes starts with the product first and an idea for the product. And then we try to figure out, okay, you know, who's the audience? How do we find the audience for this product? And the way that we teach it, the way that we've done it, certainly the way that we did it with Unemployable is the inverse of that, which is, you know, the Unemployable newsletter started um, as a side project for Brian Clark when we were at Copyblogger. And so he started writing the Unemployable newsletter because he knew that a segment of the Copyblogger audience, um, you know, was freelancers and solopreneurs and digital entrepreneurs and so, you know, you know, the, the tagline was always, this is for people who can get a job. They're just not inclined to take one, you know, so people who are successful and motivated and are building their own businesses, but they're just not going to be good at working for somebody else. You know, these are people that Brian saw himself in, you know, and so he, he was essentially serving an audience that was very similar to his own mindset. And so he just started doing a weekly newsletter of resources. Hey, here's four or five resources that will help you you know, become a better freelancer, build a better solo business. Um, you know, as he went through, he realized that there could be a great intersection with technology because part of the, uh, you know, one of the main ways that a freelancer or a solo entrepreneur can have an outsized impact is by leveraging technology to handle a lot of the jobs that in the past you would have to hire someone to do. It gives you much more power as an individual. And so over time, that list built up. And by over time, I'm literally talking about like two or three years. Now, I understand not everybody may have the time to be that patient, but that's why, you know, a really good model, if you're, 
you know, if, if you may be somebody who's looking to develop something that, you know, can eventually be your main thing, starting it out on the side can be a good way to kind of, you know, take a, a managed risk almost. And so that's, that's what unemployable was. It was a newsletter that developed. And then over time, Brian realized, okay, you know what? I now I've spent enough time with this audience. I know enough about this audience that it's time to take the next step with them. And what he realized that they needed to understand is how to basically all the stuff that we just talked about. How do you go through this process in a very strategic way of understanding who you're serving and then building an audience of those people so that you can then learn enough about them to build the product that will build your business, which is what he had done at, at copy blogger. So how do I actually teach a strategic model for how people can do this? That's where the seven figure small intensive was born. And even the name seven figure small goes back to understanding this audience and their goals. These are people very energized by the idea of building a seven figure small business of their own and seeing examples of other people doing it and saying, why can't I do that? You know, and so that's the whole, that's, that's the idea behind the brand of seven figure small. And so the seven figure small intensive was, okay, here's an entire strategy course about how we've done it nuts and bolts so that you can do it as well. And that came from an intimate understanding of this audience and the intersection of Brian's experience and knowledge with what he knew this audience would want. And so that's, and, and then th this is then where the community commerce comes in because you know, a lot of times, so you have education, you have a course and people pay for the course, but then what do people do as they're taking the course and after the course, mm. where do they go for questions? Where do they go for help? Where do they go just to see other people doing the same thing, you know, and to share similar experiences. And so this is why combining education and a community can be such a smart strategy, both for getting more engagement from the people you're trying to serve, but also to build a better business model for yourself. Because people pay for the education, but once they get that, they're not, you know, they, they've paid once. They're done. How do you develop a recurring business model? Well, you give people a reason to keep coming back. And, and community is the reason why people keep coming back. Because not only can, do they have a place to answer, you know, to ask questions to me and Brian and other members, but now there's a whole other world of, you know, different conversations and different lessons and different education about different but related topics over here. And so that was the evolution of it. It was, you know, again, it was something that took a long time to develop and Brian was able to be patient uh, while that developed. But the knowledge that was gained from all that time, just curating content and learning about the audience meant that, I mean, we were, you never want to say that you, you know, for sure that something is going to succeed because, you know, you need to maintain the, you know, the, I think a proper level of humility but I think from Brian's experience and just our confidence in how much we felt we understood this audience, we felt really, really confident that the course and community were going to succeed and they have. Um, but that confidence was earned, you know, not just through, uh, you know, arrogance, but through week after week after week after week of really giving ourselves the opportunity to learn about this audience. And fortunately, the audience giving us signals about what was interesting to them. It's got to be fun to look back on that uh, tidal wave of, of trust, so to speak, uh, just building and building after many, many weeks and months and possibly yeah. even years. Um, it is. And we'll go ahead for our listeners and we'll put in a, a link 
uh, to the Unemployable Initiative, um, as well as uh, some more information about Seven Figure Small Intensive. Uh, it is phenomenal. Uh, if you can take it, uh, do do so. The community is really um, not only helpful, but uh, there are many different um business-minded people in there that are exploring a lot of uh different topics and a lot of different areas so i feel like there there is definitely something for most people uh in the in that community so uh, we'll put that in there for our listeners thank um, you that's great that's great to hear it really yeah. is